The Collective is a storytelling podcast interviewing hairstylists and makeup artists. On this week's episode of The Collective, I had the honor of interviewing Jessica Padilla. Jessica is an amazing makeup artist, but she's also an international educator, a makeup artist in TV and film, the director of membership for IOTC 798, and she travels internationally working Fashion Week. Thank you so much for joining me on The Collective today. You're welcome. It's so good to be here. So who is Jessica? That's such a crazy question when you put it like that. Who is who is Jessica Padilla? Jessica Padilla is a makeup artist who is a professional makeup artist who has been doing makeup for professionally over, I want to say like 10, 12 years now. And I primarily work in film and television, but I also do editorial and fashion and I do the Fashion Week tour every season of uh, New York, Milan, Paris, London, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty good. <laughs> so you have exquisite resume, like your resume is amazing. Uh, how did you become the Jessica to be able to work on these amazing projects like Pose or Katie Keene? It's funny because when you when you kind of look back at a career or you know like a long time of of work, it's it's easy to sort of say, well, this happened and then that made this other thing happen, and and it kind of looks like a domino effect in a way. But in in another sense, it's like completely random. So there's this like beautiful synergy of like preparedness, but also the work being in the universe and like finding you. Um, I'm in a very wonderful place uh, now in my career where the kind of work that I love to do is the kind of work that I'm doing. And I feel like, you know, that is not necessarily by chance. Um, and a lot of it has to do with my background. So I, uh, I started out as an actor and that's what I was doing from, I went to performing arts high school when I was 16 and I actually started like taking classes and lessons and stuff at Lee Strasberg in the city at like 13. And so I was pretty serious about that for a really long time. And I was living in LA and I just, I didn't love the West coast. It just wasn't really my vibe. And, uh, I, you know, came back to New York at, uh, I think I was 23 at the time and I had done makeup for fun for a really long time. Like in my high school musical, like I was the dance captain and I also, not asked by anybody, but I ended up designing a lot of the makeup for the girls in the show just because I was passionate about it. And I was like, let's do this. Um, and then, you know, I would do friends for weddings and I would take random classes here or there. And then I did um, a bunch of my friends for like independent film where there wasn't a makeup artist on set. And I, I had done all of these things sort of just for fun. But back then there wasn't any, you know, YouTube or there wasn't really as much community or Facebook or like any way to get in touch with like a community of artists. And so I didn't realize it was a job. Like it was something I liked, but I didn't realize you could make a living at it or that it was something that, you know, it just didn't really click for me. Um, it was always just like, yeah, I'm an actor and I also love makeup. So, you know, I was that girl that was like down at the Nordstrom's Mac counter on the weekends in high school, like bothering them about like, how to do eyeshadow and like how to put on lipstick. And uh, when I was here in New York, I had come back, I was still auditioning and I was still doing stuff. And I was, 
I had a million and one different jobs. And uh, I was dog walking, I was nannying, I was working in restaurants. And um, I think at the time I was a personal assistant. And right before my wedding, my boss moved and she let me go because she didn't need me anymore. And it was on my wedding night with my best friend. And we were laying there and I was like, you know, I'm going to need a job after this wedding. Like I don't have a job anymore. And I I don't want to go back to working in restaurants. I was really, really over that because I had started doing that when I was 17. And, uh, and she was like, you know, why don't you work in makeup? Like you're really good at it and you love it. And, uh, and you could probably still audition, you know, and like work part-time or like freelance. And, um, it just seems like you'd be, that would be like a really good thing. And I, I remember being really hesitant, um, you know, cause of course back then it was like, well, where do you get a job? Like, oh, I should get a job at Mac because Mac was all about like fun and artistry and just kind of like that, you know progressive vibe. They always had that vibe, especially in the nineties and the early two thousands. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, but I, I don't want to, you know, like I was so concerned about the integrity of the artistic ability that I didn't even have yet. I was like, I don't want to get a job and like have them influence my work. And like, I don't want to just do makeup like a macro. I didn't even know what I was talking about because like, I didn't even, there wasn't really like an artist. I was so concerned about something that I really didn't need to be concerned about at the time. But, you know, my friend had gone to art school and she was always constantly talking about how like art school had shaped, sometimes shaped students and they get stuck. And I don't know, I was like worried about something that I really didn't need to be worried about. But she's like, no, 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 like it'll be fine. Like you just you go and like you get in and you get, you know, you get out of it what you need to. So I went and I interviewed at every or I just I dropped a resume off at every single Mac in the city. And at the time, it was like a really um, sought after job. Like they really didn't. Oh, it, it was hard. It was hard to get a job at a store um, in New York City. And so like I dropped off my resume and the only place that even remotely gave me the time of day was the Bloomingdale Soho. And it was an 18 hour holiday position. It wasn't even full time. And I was like, and, they, and I got it and I took it and I was like, yes, this is this is great. And honestly, as far as like the best training that I ever possibly could have received, was working at a counter because you do really see all ages, all races, all sexes, which is their motto. But like, I saw everything from like girls going to Vegas for the weekend to like people who fell on the ice and needed color correction for like black eyes and busted face, you know, like crazy things, uh, people with, you know, scars or birthmarks that they needed to cover up, um, you know, older women, younger women, men who wanted to wear makeup, like pretty much just anything and everything. And in the beginning, I think, I sold like the same eyeshadow to everyone for about like a month because like I just didn't know anything else. But then slowly but surely they they had amazing training back then. And the trainers that used to work there were some of the best artists that I have ever met. And some of them still do work there. Um, but we had these trainings that really just like blew my mind. It was it was artistry in a way that I'd never even really thought about makeup and, um, you know, approaching it as an artist. I did not go to art school. You know, this really was how I learned. And, um, you know, I had different people at the counter show me different things. Like, um, this one girl, Melanie, who was Filipino, like she taught me how to do makeup for Asian, you know, features, which I had never done before, like monolids and things like that. And, um, you know, my other friend Nicholas taught me how to do drag makeup, which I had no idea was going to be such an important part of my career, but it was like the building blocks that I didn't even know were happening at the time. And I was really curious, you know, so I would, I kind of, 
the more people I met and the more that I started to do, I, I, I was, I'm a little shocked actually that I had the nerve to do it, but I would kind of find out when the trainers were teaching and then I would like reach out to them and see if they needed a model or, um, you know, I, there was one show where they needed to do a test cause it was like all this Maori body painting for, I think it was for like a Redarte show and, um, they needed to test on someone. And so it was like literally eight hours of me sitting with these two trainers as they like painted my arms and then took it off and then did something different and like my neck. And it was just, you know, and so I got to kind of chat with them about their journey as an artist and like why, you know, why or why not to stay with a company as opposed to going out on your own as a freelancer. And I was just kind of like hungry for information and gathering information. And, um, and it was a really good time to be there. And it was a really good time for me. And I was super exposed to all these things. And then that was sort of also the beginning of my fashion week journey, because at the time Mac used to do, they, they were basically the official sponsors of fashion week back when it was at Bryant park. And that was, that was the heyday really. Um, and so they had a training within the company that only happened once a year. And it was like a five day fashion week training. And I think that, you know, it's a, it's a skill set that not a lot of people have um, because it's not something that's taught very often, but it's, it's about recreation and um, really training your eye to see what you're actually seeing um, as opposed to getting something close. It's literally like getting something exact in someone else's hand because, you know, at a fashion week show, a key artist is demoing something and you are literally just trying to recreate their hand on all these different features. So when you line the models up, they all tell the same story. And it's a skill set that you really don't, I, th I think, I've never seen it. I, I don't think you really get that at a regular, you know, makeup school or an art school. It's a very specific kind of training. And at the time I was like, this is ridiculous because it's hard. It's really hard. And it's very frustrating. And I didn't make it through on my first try or maybe even my second. And they only did it once a year. So I was like, this is, this is the worst. But I often find that things that are the absolute worst are the absolute, absolute best for me in the long run. Because um, when I finally did make it, um, I got to do, you know, they put me on the Fashion Week team and it started out as a few shows. And then, like, I started to build my resume and it was like all the big, you know, it was all the big artists. It still is a lot of big artists when you work for them. Um you know, Val Garland and Kabuki and uh, Tom Pichot and just some of my favorite, favorite, favorite artists in this world that um, inspire me and to be able to watch them firsthand and watch how they each work has really informed how I approach, like what I do, what I don't do. Um, and it helps me break out of habits and out of, you know, just out of myself. You know, we all get habits after you work for a bit, and uh, it's a really good way to get out of that. So that was that training. And so as I'm like building the building blocks and going along within the company, there came a point where I realized I wanted to freelance. And, um, you know, I was thinking about in the beginning, the question was like, stay with the company, be a trainer, go out and be a freelancer. So after talking with some of the trainers and the senior artists, I realized I probably didn't want to be beholden to a company that I probably wanted something bigger and I wanted to freelance and I have the discipline for running my own business. So I was like, okay, let's, let's do that. So I started to freelance and I was freelance. I was working all the time. I was working, um, you know, full-time at Mac and then full-time outside of Mac, like before shifts, after shifts, weekends. I mean, I really, it started out because I was a 
an actor first, I, I thought of a way to like get into like headshots. And then I hooked up with a photographer who did a lot of boudoir shots, which was like very period, you know, fun period stuff like 40s and 50s. And so I would work with him every weekend. And it was great because in the beginning I was I was actually getting paid like a pretty decent rate to to be a freelance artist and to practice and to and to get better and better. And from there there was a distinct moment when I realized that I couldn't really work in the store anymore. And this came around the same time that I was kind of deciding whether I wanted to go in a fashion direction or like a production film TV commercial direction as like my main thing. And, you know, people always told me like, you can't do both and that I would have to choose. And I kind of don't necessarily agree to some degree, but at the same time, like when you're building your, your freelance life and your career, you kind of, you know, they, they don't play at the same time all the time. It's like, you kind of have to juggle and spin the plates separately. So I was like, okay, well, I need to, you know, doing a production career meant like joining the union, which meant that that kind of had to take precedence and that kind of had to be the focus for a while. And I was, I was in a pool with a friend in Vegas. It was a performing thing that I was a part of. And I had no idea that she was a makeup artist, but we started talking and I was like, what do you do anyway? And she's like, oh, I'm a makeup artist for, you know, commercials. And it turns out that she had this like amazing commercial career and she'd been doing it for like 25 years and she kind of had fallen into it. And, uh, and so I, I just was like, oh, well, if you ever need an assistant, like, I would love to do that. I would love to find out more and, and just be on set more. And she hired me, like she took a chance on me and it was great. Cause I learned a lot about, um, you know, how to pack a set bag and like set etiquette and how to be and how to, you know, how to work in that environment. Cause I'd been on set, you know, as an actor, but I'd never been on set as a, as a makeup artist in that way. And I kind of saw how she was living her life and she was living comfortably in Manhattan, which is no small feat and, you know, thriving and making a living. And then I saw like my fashion friends and it was, it's a lot harder, you know, like the pay rates are harder. It's harder to like, there's, it's harder to like make that pay turnaround. You just don't know when the checks are coming and it's, there's a lot of uncertainty and like, they were always sort of like struggling to pay the phone bill, struggling to like buy Metro cards. And I was like, I don't, I don't think that's the life I want. You know, I, <laughs> I want to travel and I want to see the world and I want to, you know, I like, I'm happy to struggle, but you know, I, I want to, I want to like be able to live. So I was like, all right, production it is. And, uh, so at about that same time, I went on a vacation and, uh, I went to Toronto with my husband and, uh, I got all these phone calls while I was away for freelance jobs. And I think, I think it was like eight at the time. And it was so many freelance jobs that had called me that I couldn't do because I was away, but I was it just was kind of an eye opener because I wasn't in the store with my head, you know, down working. I realized like, Oh my God, am I saying no to this many jobs? Like on average a week, because if that's the case, you know, I really do believe. And, and I feel like this is kind of true you know, every time you say yes, it opens like four more doors later that are also yes. But every time you say no, like it doesn't really necessarily go any further. They're, they don't often circle back around to ask you again. Right. Yeah. So, right. so I was like, wow, am I saying no? Am I, am I really like, I'm trying to build this career, but like, am I saying no all this, all these times? And so I, le I left the store 
And it was really hard because it was, I was working with a great team at the time and it was like a good synergy. And like, I left on really good terms. It was a really, that was probably the hardest thing I've ever done. And I know that people who, you know, work in store and have the, (laughs) they call them like the golden handcuffs of like, you know, consistent pay and insurance and all those things that are really important for life. Um, It's really hard to, to leave a good thing for something that could potentially be better, but you're just not sure yet. That's, that is a, that's, that's a leap of faith that you just got to do it. Like it's really, it's hard (laughs) Um, even when you're sure. And I was pretty sure. Um, But I like, I remember being like, Oh God, this is, this is, this is a risk. Um, You know, and a lot of people leave and, and, and don't necessarily make it and come back. And those are the only people that you really see. So I remember, there was another artist who's now a really good friend of mine. It's Michelle Corsi, actually, who I teach with all the time and who's uh, another amazing freelance makeup artist. And I, I actually just asked, we had done a photo shoot together. She had done hair and I had done makeup and I just asked her, I was like, Hey, you know, can I take you to coffee? Because I just want to hear a success story. I just want to hear someone tell me that they left and they, and they have a freelance life. She was like, well, it's going to be totally different for you. I was like, yeah, I, I'm, you know, totally aware. No one does it twice. Like no, no two artists do it the same. No two lives look the same. Um, no two lives. But um, I just needed to hear someone say, yeah, I left. I didn't go back and I'm working. Right. So she was kind enough to like meet me for coffee, tell me her story. And, uh, and then she actually hired me on, on a, quite a few. I assisted her a little bit and then she hired me. She gave me some, she kicked me down some jobs and, like I, w- I will forever be humbled by that, you know, because she just took a chance on me again. Like I, you know, I was still pretty green. I mean, I, I knew the makeup part of it, but uh, you know, like that's a big deal. I feel like, uh, pretty much every time in your career, you're doing something new, somebody has to take a chance on you. Right. So it's like, you always, I just, I look, I look back and I think about all those people that, that did that for me and I'm very grateful and honored. Um, And I still have really good relationships with with almost all of them, if not all of them. And uh, one of the other things that happened was there was a girl at at the Mac store who was freelancing. And I I stepped down to just freelance so that I had something in the interim while I was building all the freelance stuff as well. And she was doing fashion. She knew that I was doing film because like once I decided to go for like film TV, I was like all about it. I was talking about like, yeah, I'm going to do film. I'm going to join the union. I was like, prepping and trying to get all my days together and all that. And, uh, you know, she got offered to do this movie, but she didn't want to do movies because she wanted to do fashion. And she immediately thought of me because I had been talking about it. And she's like, Oh, I don't want to do a film, but I think Jessica, Jessica wants to do film. So she kicked me this opportunity and it was the first feature film that I ever worked on. I ended up department heading, which I had no business doing. Um, they say fake it till you make it. That is kind of true, but it's also kind of not true because right. um, you want to be ready. Like you, you don't want it, but in, in a, in a perfect world, which is not, it doesn't exist, but in a way, everybody was kind of learning on this project. Um, it was very indie. It was like um, Russian director producers that like came to the States to shoot this like very guerrilla style movie. Um, but the reason I got the job was because the main actor was an Armenian man who was very masculine, who they needed to convincingly turn into a woman. He was playing a trans character. And so the, the camera test and really the only like criteria for, for booking this movie was like, can you do this makeup? 
um, because it was not an easy makeup. And turns out I can do that makeup. Um, so yeah, so we did the test and it came out beautifully and they gave me the job and, um, it was, it was trial by fire in a lot of ways, you know, and I saw the movie, uh, like later at a screening and there were a lot of mistakes. Like I, I was like, Oh God, you know, like just certain lighting things I didn't know and color correction things I didn't know. And, um, but his makeup looked amazing. Like I stand behind that work 110%. Like that was what I was hired for. That was what I excelled at. That was what I did. Like that looked amazing. Um, but it was a, it was a super steep learning curve, but it was a really good way to like jump in and just, you know, like see how the sausage gets made. Um, so yeah, so that was my first film. And after that, I just kept working. I think I did like nine features in like a year and a half which is insane um you know because it's indie and so like everything was like six day shoots and like a hundred dollars a day and like you just because I was trying to build the the days to apply to the union yeah and um I I didn't mention before but I am now the director of new membership at local 798 and yay yay and that (laughs) job I got because my application was actually, there was a bunch of, there were some mistakes that happened in my application. And it was this very tumultuous, like, cause you know, if you don't know, if you've never been through the process, you know, it literally is like three years of your life of trying to like, you need 180 days proof of work. And that has to be on film, TV or theater, like all things that are, you know, uh, unions type work. And so while you're getting it, you're like counting call sheets and every job is like, you know, you're just, it's, it's a lot at the time. And when you're not, you know, fully working production life yet, it takes time for that ball to get rolling and for those jobs to keep coming. So like in the beginning, you're doing less and then it builds and builds and builds. And um, in the interim, I submitted my, my, uh, my application when I was finally ready. And then something they like, they tell you, you know, what, what you didn't have or what they think, what they thought I didn't have. So they thought I didn't have enough days, which I know wasn't true because I counted that like every night before I went to bed, like a crazy person. <laughs> and then there was something else about having a cosmetology license, which I don't have. And it's actually not required, but it's just something that if you have it, it's required for hair. It's not required for makeup, but if you have it, you can include it. But whoever was grading my application didn't know that. And it slipped through the cracks and, uh, And so, and, and it used to, the policy was like, don't call, don't email us. Don't even like, don't even look at us is the, is the feeling (laughs) that I got. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like devastated. I mean, first of all, I opened the letter and I was like sobbing because I had worked so hard, you know, and it's like three years of your life and they only do it once a year. And like, I was like, I'm getting old and like time is passing me by and I don't have time for this. It's like, what am I going to do? And also (laughs) do I need to go to makeup school? Because I was willing, but it's like, do I have, do I need to spend all that money to like go to mud or, you know, and, and I wasn't sure. So it's like, you could, I could have spent all that money and not necessarily had to, but I also was willing to, because I was like, whatever it takes, like I, whatever I need to do, I'm going to do. And I kind of just let it go, Um, but I was super bummed. And I was taking a class. It was like a portfolio review class somewhere because I was like, you know, constantly trying to like make it better. And 
I ran into randomly the secretary treasurer at the time who was on the panel for portfolio review. And I, and I, and I just told her my story. I was like, you know, I applied, I got no, but it was really weird because like I had the days, I know I had the days and I know that they don't require the cosmetology license, but it looks like maybe they do. And she was like, that's really weird. And she gave me an email and she was like, email this person and talk to them because that doesn't sound right. So I, I don't, I feel like I was in a, a hotel room on a job or something, but I just remember like writing the email, but not in my house and like crying. Cause I was like so emotionally invested and like, please read this email and like, please review my application. And, um, and so I emailed what is now the president, actually, I forget what, what job she had at that time, but, um, I emailed her and she was like, Oh, here's your interview date. That looks like it was a mistake. <laughs> well, I was like, well, okay. Um, and then I had the interview and I passed and it was great. And uh, I've been union for all those years, but um, it, it definitely uh, made me want to get involved and made me want to make sure that that doesn't happen to anyone else ever again, because I know what's at stake and I know how big a deal it is. And, you know, it also reminds me too, that sometimes people are always looking for the easy way, you know, like the fast track, like I, we get emails all the time, like, oh, I heard there's another way to like get in that you don't have to go through all this nonsense. And like, can I be a personal to a star? And can I do this? And can I do that? And and I know that, you know, the newer generation gets a bad rap for wanting things immediately. But I will say this, when, <laughs> because this whole time, like, I didn't start out knowing anybody, I didn't, I didn't have any connections. I did, you know, everything I've done, and I've, everyone I've met, it's like, I started from the bottom of not knowing anyone. Um, but when you do it the hard way and when you do it the long way around, you really get a sense of like how it works, why it works. Um, you know, if you don't take those shortcuts, it's, it's, it's a much more enriching journey. And, and I would say that the makeup artist I am now has benefited so much because of the struggle and the things that were hard um, I love being the director of new membership because I get it. I know how hard it is. I know what it is to be a fashion or a more fashion makeup artist who's got to put that book together to do the special effects. Like I get it. Um, I get what it is, you know, to walk into a room and have people be like, who the hell do you think you are? You know, in both right. places, because like on a fashion team, they're like, who are you? And like, sometimes on film sets, they were like, who are you? I mean, not so much anymore, but right. you know, um, until you prove yourself, you're coming from a different background of artistry. Um, so I get that. And I'm very sympathetic to that. Um, well, I know that I, we're very lucky to have you. Oh, I so <laughs> also just feel like it's important to be the friendly face of the union, like come in the water's warm. Like we want people, we, I don't want, you know, I was also told by, I mean, everyone's like, well, I heard that. Well, people are right. always talking, right? <laughs> and I was told it was like a room full of like older artists that were just going to judge me and not be nice to me. <laughs> like I, I and it, that's not verbatim, but it's pretty verbatim of what people told me to expect. Like, they're just going to hate you and they're just going to say no. You know, it's like, <laughs> so I really try to not like, we're not like that. And I'm not like that. And I think it's really important that as, as a union and as just makeup artists towards each other, that we're not like that. Like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> um, so yeah. it's important to me that we have an image of like, welcome, come on in. Like, let's chat about it. Let's see if this is right for you. Right. Um, as, a, as opposed to like, don't, 
don't email, don't call, don't look at me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I remember when it said that on the website, because I remember having questions (laughs) and being like, but who do I, I can't call and I can't email. And, but I remember I had some questions because I was getting my days, um, mostly by working at the networks. Yeah. And I remember I reached out, um, I had a question. And so I reached out to who was our, in the DC area, who was our local steward, um, at the time. And I reached out to her and I can't remember what I was asking, but I had a conversation with her and she said, well, can I ask how you've gotten your days? And I said, um, you know, I've been freelancing at basically every network in DC. Right. And it was political season. So it was like bananas. Yeah. Um, and she said, well, you're not going to, those days don't count. Uh. And I remember <laughs> like my heart just oh, sunk God. because it was like, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah, and totally. And I had actually moved, um, I had actually moved my family up to the market because I knew uh-huh. that that was a way for me to get those days and where I was living, there wasn't any opportunities. And so that was like a moment where I was like, Whoa, like, what am I doing? Like, did I do the wrong thing? And like yeah, this whole thing. Yeah. And so I actually emailed and Chris actually responded to my email, but I, I emailed. And even though it said, don't email, I was like, this yeah. is like oh, a yeah. crucial part of my life. Kind of like, I mean, it's you major. getting the rejection letter, right? Yeah. So I mean, if that uh, woman hadn't told me to email, I don't know. I'm not exactly <laughs> even sure like what I right. would have done. Probably it's, not email because I follow directions. Like I, same, just, same. That's like um, that's like my my one downfall is that I'm a rule follower, right? So it's like yeah, me too. Well, I mean, to some degree, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so, but yeah, so like I got into the union, and then it started a whole other journey of work because the first job I ever had was kind of also not by like, but by luck, but like, you know, there's a, there's a list that you like put your availability. It's like basically like an availability counter within the a calendar within the union. And mo- a lot of people are like, Oh, it never works. Like I put myself on there all the time. They never call me, blah, blah, blah. But like in a really weird turn of events, there was a woman who was department heading for the nightly show with Larry Wilmore, which was on comedy central. And she had become union on that job, but didn't know anyone who was union because before that she hadn't worked any union jobs. So like she was kind of in her own standalone universe and, you know, there were no other artists there. So when the show moved from being like an interview, like a show of interviews to more of like a sketch show, they started needing more, like they needed someone with some special effects experience, like adequate, like character experience. Cause now it was like wigs and, you know, like gag gag makeup and fun you know some like mustaches and like whatever um or you know getting them to look like other characters from the news and stuff like that so she reached out basically went on the went on the union website like printed out the list and called people on who were available to interview and that was the first job that I really had and I had it for six months and then the show got canceled but that was like my initial like foray into like working a union job, like, you know, four days a week, it was very steady. And like, it was a really, it was super fun. It was a really great experience. And then after that, um, my one friend in the union, who's still a really amazing friend of mine, Chris Malone, who I also work with and teach with, um, he was keying for Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt and he recommended me to day play. And then when I day played um, a couple of times, they asked me if I'd be like the unofficial, like fourth. Uh, So then I, I ended up being on that show for two years, which was amazing because it was 
just super funny. And I love that crew and I love that cast. And that department head is like one of my favorite people in the world. Cause she's just the best. And, um, and so I did that. And then, uh, after that, I think, I think after that I was working on pose and, uh, you know, just day playing and just being around. And, uh, you know, that was like all very period specific ball makeups from the eighties and nineties. And, you know, it wasn't, it's not drag, but it's like a lot of trans actors and, and just like all walks of life really. And so a little bit of drag and like just big, 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 big makeups. And so I did that. And then from doing that, I actually booked uh, wonder woman, which is where I met you. And, um, I got to do, I was at the like punks and new romantics table. So I got to do a lot of those like really big eighties punk looks. And then after that, I booked Fosse Verdon, I think. And I'm not even sure how that phone call happened, but, um, they got in touch with me and that job was, Oh, that job was meant for me. Like that was, that was maybe the best life thing that, that I mean, ever, um, because I, you know, I went to musical theater. I went musical theater was my specialty at the performing arts high school I went to. That was like my, my major, if you can have a major in high school, but, um, that was my field of study. And one of my teachers was one of Bob Bossy's proteges and he was in the movies and he, you know, taught and directed his shows like later on, um, like to students like me. And, um, and so I was really immersed in that, in the work and in that world. And, and I was put on the team that did like all of the big dance numbers, like Hey Big Spender and Mine Air. And, um, you know, and, and I think too, like the, because I was an actor, I do research like an actor. So I research makeup like an actor. I know my references. Um, and it's always really important to me for storytelling to have all of that grounded in, in, in the research, even if you then turn it into something else or change it, it's really important to know your references. And I, and I feel like that's something that's not necessarily it's underdeveloped in a lot of artists, but it really, really helps. And so I walked in and um, I noticed that some of the reference photos that we were using didn't look right. Like the color match was weird. And it, and I wasn't sure if it was like, you know, I mean, things happen when it's like from the internet to a printer, to a thing, to a printout, to the wall. And, um, so that first weekend I like came home and I, it's a really, it was really busy. Like everyone had so, there was so much work on that job because it was like the movies within the movie. And then, you know, the stars that they were custom making things for, and then the amount of background that the background supervisors were handling. And I just, I kind of saw an opportunity of like, I, I know this work and like, I think I can, I can make this even better for them. So I just like came home and took it upon myself to like, watched the uh, whole movie of what we were doing. I think my Nair was the first one. And I just watched it like literally one shot at a time for all the dance members and screen captured like every makeup that I could. I mean, those photos actually don't even exist online. The only way to do it is to go back to the source and literally screen capture it from the television. There isn't, you know, they didn't have photo. There wasn't like an onset photographer back then. Right, or if there right. was like those photos are not lost. They're lost to history. So I came in with all these other photos. And I was like, yeah, we have these, but these, the ones I took are a little bit better. And then I found out the ones that we had were like from art department, you know, like it just was, it was, these were, these were just better. And then, uh, thank God <laughs> the department head, you know, it could have gone a couple ways. She could have been like, not pleased, but she was actually very pleased. And I'm very thankful for that. Um, <laughs> well, you know, you're not like, uh, you just never know what's going to rub someone right. the wrong way or, yeah. but I think, I think my enthusiasm 
shows. And I think my passion really shows, especially for stuff like this. I was like, I just want it to get, I just want it to be right. You know? And so when we did, um, sweet charity, I did like, I did the same thing and I brought it in and I was like, look, I made these mood boards. There's like four different looks. Do you want it to be close or do you want it to be like spot on accurate? Because our photos in, that we have on set are close, but these photos are 100% accurate. And there's like this whole other glitter story that you can't even see except in the movement, which you can only get from screen capturing your television. So I showed her and she was like, no, 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 we want 100% accurate. I was like, great. Amazing. So like, it was just this amazing process of like recreation. And I, I've never been so excited to get up at like two in the morning. I was like up at one, like an, in anticipation, Yeah. you know, That's because crazy. it was just the work of my life. Like I, I just, I don't even know how, I don't even know what other job would top it. I mean, I'm hoping, I'm hoping there's something else in a very long career that will also give me that kind of joy. But, you know, um, I once had a, an acting coach in high school who gave me the the most amazing advice that I have ever received that I take with me. And, And her advice was basically about competition and that there really was no need for it amongst ourselves because, whatever job is meant for you, you book. So you can't book anything that's not meant for you. And other people are not going to book your jobs because your jobs are your jobs. And this was an example of a job that was like meant for me. Um, it was just like perfect. Uh, it was everything that I love. Um, but I also think that attitude is super helpful just with each other and, you know, how we, how we treat our peers and how we treat our, our fellow artists and, you know, because sometimes people get a little weird about like what somebody else is doing and what you're not doing or what you are doing. And, you know, especially as we all go back to work after this time of like, I don't want to say famine, but, you know, it's been yeah. a little sparse. Yeah, uh, I just, um, I'm a firm believer in that, too. And I, I think that all of your jobs, you know, like as you continue to talk about the projects that you've worked on, I think all of them are a true representation of that because everything you've worked on is has literally been made for you. Oh my I God. Mean, I mean, literally. So yeah. I, I, it's, it's so easy to get caught up in the, well, well, why does she get that job? And I didn't sure. get that job. And I haven't but worked you're six so, weeks. And, people are so busy, like looking at what everyone else has. It's like, they're missing it. You yeah. Know, you're, you're missing like whatever, whatever work you could be doing or whatever, like focus you could be having. And you know, it's a, it's a human nature thing. We all do it. We're all like, Oh my God, how did so-and-so do that? That's amazing. Right. I mean, I've definitely, seen a bunch of things. I was like, Oh, I wish I was a part of that. That looks like it looks so good, you know, but at the same time, um, yeah, everything I've done really at this point, especially now that I like I'm moving and grooving, like everything really, it feels like it comes from the heart. You know, um, a lot of people told me when I went to get into film and television, like a lot of my fashion friends that like, Oh, they just don't do makeup in film and television. Like, you know, you don't, you'll never get to do as much makeup. I don't know, because that's all I do is big makeup, big <laughs> theatrical, period specific, yeah. lots of research, lots of glitter makeup. Um, my last job was for Katie Keene. Uh, I was keying and uh, one of my actors was, uh, he was the, he was the one that was playing the drag queen on the show. And, uh, you know, I know that's also why I got that job. Like, I mean, that, that department head knows a lot of people who are much more senior and amazing makeup artists for sure. Um, who could have done it, but she knew that, you know, that's kind of a specialty of mine. That's kind of something I love. 
And she saw me working on pose because we were working together. She'd stay playing and helping me get through some of those really big days. And again, it's like that trust of like, she offered me a, a position that I, you know, I rose up to the occasion, I hope, but, um, you know, doing a drag makeup for television is totally different than doing it for, for every day or for stage. I mean, there's like the continuity and, you know, doing multiple looks in one day and, you know, keeping in mind with like what production is comfortable with. Cause like, they don't always want to go too far, but showing them what they don't even know that they want to see and also making it like, you know, it's just like, there's just all these other elements in, that happen in film and television that aren't, you know, in the regular drag world, having like two hours instead of four, that's a big one. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, just like all these things. So I, I've sort of, Oh, I've done a lot. That was a, it was a challenging job, but it was amazing. I'm really proud of, uh, of the work. Yeah. I, I watched it. Oh yeah. Thank <laughs> yeah, you. Cause I, I mean, it was really, really cute too. So, um, no, I enjoyed it. And I, I enjoyed all his looks too. I enjoyed his character a lot, actually. Um, yeah. I liked his character a lot. So, but all of the work was beautiful, but I do yeah. think, you know, it's like how many times do we work on something and there is someone in drag, but usually, you know, they've done it themselves yeah. and then we're just touching it up if we do that. Right. So to be able to execute that whole, the design aspect of it and execute it for each episode and mo- multiple looks, like you said, I mean, it was brilliantly done. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. I mean, it was definitely, I knew it was going to be hard. I knew it was going to be challenging and it absolutely was like, it was, de- I mean, you know, literally no camera test will be as hard as a drag camera test, <laughs> you know, like no matter what, yeah, I get like it. Yeah. In the future for the rest of my life, like no matter who it is, it will never be as hard as like, take this gentleman and make him look like a lovely lady. Right. Right. <laughs> um, who you've and never met everybody before happy. you don't know what their right. skin does and you don't know how much they sweat and you don't know, you know, plus the singing, plus the dancing. I also right. make it last 17 hours and, uh, you know, like the eyelashes aren't even sticking anymore because the eyeball is just like rejecting them. <laughs> like, it's like, ah, um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was really it was good. It was good work. Yeah, no, it was beautiful. And I, okay, I have, I do have a question. Like yeah. back, back in the Mac days, was that when Michael DeVellis was there or had he already gone? Do you remember? Um, I think he had already left. Gone. Okay. I couldn't um, remember if that was like back during his days when like, you know, James Vincent and all of those guys still worked there or yeah, if that was it like was a after. Little, it was a little bit after they had left. It's yeah. interesting because there were like, you know, it had been a constant changeover uh, slowly but surely. And I, um, they're just, yeah. I mean, Gregory Alt and Romero who are still there and Chantel oh, and amazing. Pat- yeah. Patrick Eisner, I think it is. There are some like just crazy stellar artists that most of the world doesn't know. Cause like, if you're not inside the company, they're not as obviously prominent. Out there. Yeah. Yeah. But my goodness, are they talented artists? I mean, I, that when I work on that fashion team, I am humbled and amazed. And um, I'm just so lucky to be in their presence. Like, you know, there's a kind of artistry that just takes you to your knees, you know, and it doesn't matter how, how good I get or how far I go. Like, I'm I'm so happy to, to constantly be inspired by the other artists around me. And uh, there's nothing like there's nothing that you can learn on YouTube that is the same as being in a room with one of these these great people. Um, it's just something that you need to see in real life to really, to really understand. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you actually are the first, you were talking about this earlier when you said, um, that 
you're always told that you can't do it all, right? Like you can't oh, work yeah. in fashion and you can't work in film and TV. Sure. And that was something that obviously I have been told as well. And you were the first artist that I actually saw that was doing like every show, <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah. or I should say like every city. Right. And, yeah. um, and still being able to work their film career. And to, so with your scheduling, cause that's always been a challenge for me is mm-hmm. that, which is a good challenge, right? Like if I'm on something full time and sure. then, and then it's fashion week. Cause I, um, I look at you and I'm like, Oh, she was able to do it. It's amazing because <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to do it next season. And then, you know, again, good problem to have. I'm yeah, on something yeah. that I can't get away sure. from. So does it just naturally happen to where your schedule works that way? Or um, are you kind of blocking yourself out during those weeks? Yeah. It's like nothing naturally happened. I mean, kind of, kind of sort of, but also no, but also yes, it's, there's no concrete answer for how to do it. However, I will say this, you know, it's all about choices and sometimes it just depends what you prioritize, you know, like fashion week is very important to me because that's where I creatively reset and where I continue to grow as an artist and where I bring more to the table to my film work. So there are some times that I don't get to go. I try to go at least once a year. It happens twice a year. So I try to like hit it at least once. February tends to be a little bit easier because there's less going on in the, in that winter month than the, than the fall. Fall can be, fall is typically crazy, but it just depends on scheduling. Like when I was on Kimmy, Kimmy shot in February. When I was going for my union days, I didn't get to do very much fashion week at all because I didn't have the time to waste. I was trying to make that deadline. Um, you know, I was, and it's also like being lucky enough to have a department head like on Fosse Verdon. I, I left, I only did Paris that season. I did like whatever I could in New York and then I did Paris only. Um, and I just prayed like seriously, fingers crossed that. I wouldn't miss anything that I would be devastated to miss. And it turns out that that week it wasn't, and it wasn't one of the big dance numbers. So I just lucked out. And I also had a department head was cool with the fact that I was going to do it. Um, You know, again, some people are weird about it or they don't appreciate that you're like leaving a job to do another job or they don't understand the importance of it or they don't have to understand. I mean, it really just depends what they're willing or unwilling to do. But I think, Anything that makes you more well-rounded. And if there's someone that can pick up the slack and, you know, I'm never going to leave someone high and dry and be like, bye. Um, You know, but also if I was a department head of a show, I couldn't leave. Like there are just certain things you can and can't do. So I, I know that when I do a show and I look at the schedule, I'll know, like, am I going to be able to step away? Am I not going to be able to step away? And if I did that in the fall, can I then go in February and maybe I won't department head something later on in the year because I want to leave in February. So, you know, I try to map it out to the best of my ability. It's a lot easier as a day player or as a key or, you know, whatever to like maybe take that week. Um, But it's always a risk, you know, but it's important to me. And I think we have to prioritize what's important to ourselves, you know, within like, not with, not even within reason. I mean, I think, you know, if you have, that's why there, there are certain department heads I just love working for because they get it. They get that like my entire life is not this one project that there are other things, family weddings, you know, uh, dog, dog trips to the vet and like fashion week. There are just some things that are like really important in a life, um, that make us well-rounded people. And, uh, it's not always about like the one job, even as important as it is. And so I, t- I tend to like to work with people who are understanding about like a full life um, and that we all get personal time and that we all get uh, to participate, to be active participants in our lives so that we can bring a happier version of us back to set to like do the work. Um, 
but you know, it's just about alignment and like aligning yourself with people with the same values. Um, and I also try to be understanding in that way with everyone who works underneath me, if I'm like running background or, you know, if I'm in a position where I get to say yes or no, um, it's just important, I think. Yeah. And I think it's such a beautiful relationship when you have those people that you work with that you, mm-hmm. you know, that you understand each other and yeah. Um, yeah. So, and I'm hoping that fashion week's going to come back to normal oh, after all know. of this. I know. I know. So, um, it's a, it's a lot of who knows right now. Right. That's, that's the hardest thing, right? Like my friend yeah. is saying like the edges are starting to get blurry because we just don't, there's no timeline. There's no guarantee. There's no, you know, um, I hope I, I, it's something I really, really love doing. Um, so I am hopeful that we will get to continue to travel and do that. Um, so yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I, I love it too. And I've only been able to work, um, I've actually only done one season and, mm-hmm. um, I did it on Pat's team and every time they'll uh-huh. book me, it's like, <laughs> I know it's like, so last minute, whenever I get the email of like, Hey, yeah. can you do this show, this show and this show? And then I'm like, uh, uh, yeah. because you know, I had, I had moved back down to Atlanta and so it was like not as easy as jumping on a sure. train and, you know, and so I'm like, Oh, please let it come back. Cause there were some shows that she did. Well, just yeah. being with her team, you know, in itself, yeah. but there's some of the best artists in the world for sure. But some of the shows I was just like, Oh, I really want to work on that one. So hopefully, yeah. no, it's so, tough. yeah. So when I think of you, of course, I think of you as, you know, fashion week artist and TV and film, but I also, when I think about you, one of the first things that comes to mind is like, period makeup. Like that's like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) like that's what I think of. So let's chat a minute about like, you know, you're not just an educator locally, but you're now an international educator with with period vintage makeup. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I love teaching. I love teaching. I also really, I have, you know, it's, it's all about that recreation and that, um, the, the diving deep and the studying and the, and the references and the, and the solid groundwork um, that make me excited to, to do period education, different time specific makeups. Um, yeah. So like I've been teaching this period of makeup class with my friends, Chris Malone and uh, Michelle Corsi, and I've taught it uh, a little bit by myself and Chris and I've taught it a little bit in the union. And it started out just because we all, we are all passionate about the same thing uh, when it comes to that kind of education. And then, um, I have a friend, I have two friends who are professors. They're, they're professors from Turkey and they started their own institute in Paris, um, the Paris Institute of Critical Thinking. And I, they are very lovely and they let me take over their house for like 10 days when I go, when I go to Paris Fashion Week, I just like live in their living room and, and they're amazing for letting me to take over their living room, uh, once or twice a year. But, uh, I went and it was like one of the first years that I had stayed with them and, you know, I, I got off the train from Milan and I was like real tired. And my it's in September when I go, it's actually my birthday. So like they had prepared like a little cake and some like cordial. It was like so sweet. So I walked in and Aww. we're like having cake and they're celebrating my birthday. And I was like, you know, really touched. And, and we just started talking and they were like, oh yeah. So like, what do you have going on? And I was about to teach. I think the class was the, I can't remember if it was the first class we taught, if it was like twenties, thirties and forties, or if it was like, 
50s, 60s, 70s, but it was one of those two. And uh, we were going to teach in Portland that year in February or in November. And this was like September. So it was coming. So it was definitely on my mind. And I was like, yeah, well, I'm about to teach this class. And I was like, I'm really fascinated about like the socioeconomic influence that the world has on, on makeup. And, and I'm very fascinated by the women's roles and like how the more freedoms women are given, like the more space they're allowed to take up, the more bold the makeup looks become. And there's like a definite correlation when you look back through time. Um, there's just so many things about it that fascinate me. We started having this conversation just about like women and, and trend. And um, I was like, yeah, and I teach this class. They're like, do you want to come to Paris and teach? Cause their whole school is, it's pretty much like all these different classes that are just about furthering education and, and critical thinking. So um, I was like, yes, 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 yes. We would like to, we would like to do that. Um, and, and I know that like Michelle always comes for fashion week usually. And Chris tried, but he was again on a project, so he couldn't get away. But um, Michelle and I ended up taking the class and, it, and in another fascinating turn, it's like I was trying to study things to make it a little bit more, um, relevant for the for the area so I, I started doing this deep dive on like cosmetics in Paris specifically in the 20s and the 30s uh in the 40s and I learned like all this crazy stuff about the brand bourgeois which has been around since like 1883 and uh they developed wow. the technology for the baked blush that Chanel has it's actually the same formula and this they make it the same way Chanel wow. and bourgeois which is basically like a drugstore brand in Paris it's lovely right. I'm so I'm so surprised we don't carry it here. I think um, Sephora did for a minute, but just Americans didn't really get it. But it's amazing. Um, and so yeah, I like got to do this deep dive on like what makeup in Paris was at that time. And and you know it's just I love I love I love the idea of being able to as a woman in 2020 pick up a thing. Like for instance, the the thing that I'm thinking of very specifically, I did. Uh, the last one of the last classes we did in Portland was um, like we went way back in history and Chris did this Egyptian makeup and from like 1200 and uh, Michelle did like a Marie Antoinette makeup and I did like a, a geisha makeup from uh, I want to say it was 1800. No, it wasn't 1800. Maybe it was 1600s. But anyway, in the research of the geisha makeup, which hasn't really changed, it's pretty much exactly the same as it's always been. There's a lip product that the Japanese use. And the process of making this lip product is so intricate and so specific, and it's called Benny, and they make it out of the safflower. And 99% of the safflower, safflower plant is yellow, and 1% is red, and they use the 1%. So it takes like a billion safflowers, I mean, not a billion, but a lot, yeah, to make this wow. specific product. And so it's very, very, very expensive. And you wet it with water, and depending on how much water you use and how many layers you use, it creates like this custom lip stain. And you can buy it, you know, it's a lot, but you can buy it. And it came up to Japan through China from the Silk Road from Egypt. So it actually started in Egypt, this technology like this. It was probably only worn by like the pharaohs and the queens and whatever. Um, but I love this idea. There's this museum in Japan that now I have to go just just a museum for this one specific thing. And I, and I love the fact that you can go and try it on and that you as a woman in 2020 could be doing this thing that they've been doing since like BC, you know, AD, maybe even like it, this kind of beauty ritual that goes back so, so far. It's like this interesting connection to our past and 
you know, like so much has changed, but we're, we're still kind of the same, you know, like, I, I don't know, there's just like a very deep connection for me um, when we dive into the history of makeup and, yeah. and the why. Um, and even with all the trends that we're seeing on Instagram and all this like crazy, I have all these theories, but like, really, it's kind of the result of like this globalization of makeup right. and it, and it's kind of come into this one look that's like all these different yeah, I mean, I, I see components like, together. Yeah, yeah, I see like the eyes from Dubai and I see the lips from somewhere else. And I like it really is this amalgamation. You know, it, we may not love it as makeup artists, like it's a little heavy handed, but right. but it's interesting how like globally, like this is what it's because it's, I'm right. fascinated, endlessly if fascinated. Could, if you could break it down. I mean, I do. I think the history of makeup, I, I don't know how many books I have on the history of makeup because mm-hmm. I think it's fascinating. And yeah. I think we've talked about this before, but when I, I used to teach in the Paul Mitchell schools and was the makeup specialist. And that was one of the things was it was so hard because we had like this one day on, um, history of makeup and I can't remember what, what it's called in the actual course, but, um, you know, you're like breaking down all of these different eras, all these periods. And it was so fascinating to be able to take them, take the students through like, you know, 1940s and like, mm-hmm. why were the women only wearing this makeup? Like what was going yeah. on that, you know, that there was a shortage or, you know, it wasn't available to certain people. And like, you know, even, even taking the eyeliner, the cold pencil and drawing the hose, this, the line yeah. at the back of their leg, you know, like it's fascinating. And I do think, like you said, like being able to put ourselves in their shoes right like from sure. their perspective it's so fascinating and yeah how amazing is it that there is a museum based on one one thing you know and I think about that a lot too with with where we are now like in this in the middle of a global pandemic it's like I really miss lipstick like I wear I normally I am a lipstick girl I wear lipstick every day and I just cannot figure out how to rock lipstick with a mask because no matter what I wear, no matter what formula, like it comes off on the mask and it's just, and people can't see it. It's, it's, you know, it's just interesting to think about these, these things that like now is, are, is eye makeup going to be like a much bigger trend or more people going to need to know how to do. Oh, totally. You know, yeah. I, mean, I think so. I think so. I think so sure. too. I think too, that, um, lipstick cells are going to like <laughs> take a dive, you yeah. know, like, I mean, there are the masks that, um, for the, the deaf and hard hearing, hard of hearing community, you know, that are like the, um, are they just clear? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, and I've looked into finding them and there's like an organization that this, there's a teen who's making them and selling them and the money's going back to organization, but she's like sold out right now. Yeah. That seems like a really important thing. I almost don't want to like take away from the deaf community because I need people to like see my lipstick. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> like it should definitely be for them yeah. first. Well, and too, right. It's like have, being able to have conversations with them too, oh, yeah. just like out in the everyday and not even just, um, just like everyday experiences too. Cause there are a lot of people who aren't necessarily deaf and hard of hearing, mm-hmm. but who have different disabilities that it makes well, them hard to, it's really hard when you can't read facial expression, right? Like it's, Oh, hard. totally. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's just a whole new level of, So I also, I can't, my mind's going blank right now, but Mm -hmm. there is an organization and she's a makeup artist in New York and you may know her and I cannot think of her name. I can see her face. Um, she has around the world beauty. Oh yeah. It's Stephanie floor. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. When you talk about, when you talk about traveling to Japan Mm -hmm. and you talk about it, I I think of Stephanie cause I'm like, Oh, this is like, you know, 
she's so, all about the ritual of beauty around the world and like yeah. different cultures and sharing that and experience it. I'm such a big fan of hers. I think that's such a cool idea. Yeah. Um, no, she's great. I think too. I think it's such a great thing. So I have one last question. What would 2020 Jessica say to 2010 Jessica? If you were to have a conversation today with yourself back in 2010, what would you say to her? Yeah. Um, I've sort of developed this philosophy, which isn't much of a philosophy. I feel like it's, it's pretty basic, but, um, you know, that basically I am not for everyone and everyone is not for me and it's okay. Uh, and I think I kind of figured this out as I started working more and more, you know, you, you come across, you know, clients that are trying to lowball you or, you know, production that's like really giving you grief or a boss that is writing you really hard for whatever reason. And I think that 2010 me was really trying to just like make it okay and work really hard and make and like just whatever it was, just like make it work out and like, you know, um, not necessarily acquiesce to somebody's demands, but like just try to like get through it and, 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 you know, sometimes you just have to walk away. I think that learning, it's like, just like learning how to say no is just as important as learning how to say yes. Um, when things are not emotionally good for you or mentally good for you, I think it's really important to realize that like not every job is a great environment for you. Um, and I think, you know, we are so many different personalities working with each other. We're all artists and a little bit sensitive and a little bit, you know, whatever, (laughs) how artists can be. But, um, I think it's really important to just keep in mind that like, it's okay. Like we don't have to necessarily get along with everybody. I mean, it's important that we work well together and that we're professional, but like, you know, some people are just not going to be your jam and, and, and I'm not everybody's jam for sure. Like it's just, it's like relationships, you know? Um, I think that's why when you find good ones, you, you find the people that you really enjoy working with, especially on those like long shoot days, um, that are going to get you through that 11th hour and you're going to make you laugh and, and you're going to like band together and work harder together. Um, and I think it's really important to surround yourself with that and be, and be, you know, it's hard. Cause it's like, you don't, you can't always choose, but I think when you can choose, you know, it's really important to, to not stick through things that aren't, aren't good for you. Um, and I think as younger artists, we, we tend to just believe like, Oh, we gotta, we gotta stick through it. Like I've, I've been fired from a couple of jobs in my life. Um, and a couple of makeup jobs in my life, you know, starting out in the union, there were a couple department heads that, whew, they were really rough and, um, you know, there's artists for them, but I'm not it. I'm not, I'm not that person. And, uh, you know, subsequently I've met people who also work for them that had not so great experiences. And you're just like, yeah, you know, like maybe I didn't have to stick through it as long as I did. I could have just left and said, you know what? I'm not a good match for you. Like, this is not, it's not good for anyone. Um, I think it's important to know when to pull the plug. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think our, you know, our time, it's really so precious, right? And so there's no need to spend it on stuff that we're not enjoying. Yeah. We all have have things that like we like and don't like, you know, like every, like there's some people who like hate a big personality or love, you know, what, like whatever, um, you know, everyone has things they like and dislike, and it's just about finding people who kind of like and dislike the same things as you, but also while we're like working and doing the thing. And it's, you know, um, it's, it's like not personal, but it's like, we spend a lot of time together. So it kind of has to be personal. 
that's the beautiful part of, of finding that team that you work mm-hmm. yeah. seamlessly with. So yeah. it's such a and beautiful thing. Who, who share your mentality and, mm-hmm. you know, like there are so many wonderful, it's funny. I was actually, I just met up with an, a makeup artist friend of mine and he said something that really kind of stuck with me last week. And he was like, yeah, you know, like, he's like, I, I'm, I don't even consider talent when I think about people I want on my team because everybody is talent. Like at this level, at a certain level, it's like everyone, I look around the room, everyone's talented, but it's like, who do I, who can, who's competent, who can rise to the occasion, who, you know, doesn't have an ego when I need something to be changed or fixed, who like, you know, there's all these other things that make up a great teammate Um, because at a certain level, like everybody has the chops, like everybody in the room can draw the, the eyeliner. But can everybody be who you need them to be in a time of duress <laughs> or when things go crazy or, you know, whatever. So it's, it's yeah, it's like cultivating that kind of energy. I think those words are beautiful, too, because it's so true. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, so true. So what is your social media handles so we can follow you? Yeah, I am No Guts, No Glamour, which is N-O-G-U-T-S. N-O-G-L-A-M-O-U-R. So it's No Guts, No Glamour on Instagram. And on Facebook, I think it's just Jessica Padilla. And my website is also NoGutsNoGlamour.com. Thank you so much, Jessica. If you liked what you heard today, please give us a like and follow us at The Collective Pro. 